If you got a Bible, go to Matthew 26. Yes! We get excited about the Word of God. And uh, as you're turning there, this was the moment where Jesus was literally preparing to go to the cross. It was the night before he would go to Calvary and die on the cross for our sins. Um, he had just had his last supper, so we just took communion together. He had just broke the bread and, and drank the wine, and he had revealed to his disciples that there was a betrayer in the midst. They didn't realize it. For three years, they were walking with this guy named Judas, and Judas betrays Jesus on this night. If Jesus had a Judas, how many of y'all know you might have a Judas sometime in your life? And, uh, you know, if Jesus had his own closest friends uh, turn their backs on him, he walked through relational pain, disappointment. We're all going to walk through it. How many of y'all have ever been disappointed, hurt, betrayed by somebody? Half of you in the room. The other half are the ones that did it. You're the betrayers. I'm just kidding. If you didn't raise your hand, you're Judas. No, I'm just kidding. I've been betrayed. Uh, all right, back to the Bible. Um, we've, all, we've all been hurt, and we've all been a part of hurt. And until we acknowledge that, we can't really come to the great physician to receive healing. And so Jesus is leading his disciples out of the supper to a place called Gethsemane. And I want to go to verse 36. He took them to the olive grove, the place of crushing. I want to title this message, Living Wide Awake. Living Wide Awake. If you're a note taker, note takers are history makers. You could just title it, Living Wide Awake. He takes his disciples to a place of crushing when he himself is experiencing his own personal crushing in his soul. And he tells his disciples, sit here, stay awake, and pray. Hold on, my alarm's going off. All right. He says, um, stay here, stay awake. Somebody say, stay awake and pray. And he takes Peter, James, and John with him, and he's stressed. He's anguished. The Bible says Jesus was stressed out. If you don't think Jesus understands your emotions, you haven't been reading the Bible. Jesus experienced every emotion. He experienced the emotion of, of hurt, of, of, of sadness, of grief of overwhelmed, anguish, stressed out. The Bible says he was overwhelmed. He was sweating drops of blood. And he takes his, his, his three, James, Peter, John, and he says, I need you guys to watch. Stay awake and pray. Stay awake. This is an hour. This is a critical hour for the church. I need you awake right now. And then he goes a little bit further. And he bows his face to the ground. Jesus gets low. When you're crushed, it's, it's not a time to, to try to act strong. It's a time to get low. When you're stressed out, that's the best time to get on your knees and pray. And so Jesus is stressed. He's anguished. He's grieving to the point of death. He's cried too many tears that now it's just he's got no tears left. And, and he puts his face to the ground. He says, God, my father, if there's any way for this cup of suffering to pass, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Jesus is in a wrestling match with God, and yet he's still submitted. He's talking it out with this father. He's having a conversation with this father. He already knows he's going to obey, but he's thinking about it. He's like, nails are about to go through my hands. Crown of thorns is going to be crushed into my head. There's a spear about to go through my side. Whiplashes on my back. They're going to rip the skin off my back. God, if there's any way... And then he says, no, no. Nevertheless, not my will... Sorry, that alarm keeps going off. So Jesus goes back to his disciples, and he finds them. Hold up. Wait a minute. He told them to 
stay awake. And he comes back in verse 40. And what does he find them doing? Sleeping. Sleeping when they're supposed to be awake. Sleeping in a time when it's a critical moment, a vulnerable moment of Jesus, and and yet they're hitting the snooze button. I've got my alarm set on my phone. It's going to go off every five minutes. Y'all are like, what is going on with his alarm clock? Just turn it off. I did it because I think so many of us are hitting snooze on God. We're hitting snooze on what God's asking us to be awake to right now. And we're sleeping through a very critical hour where Jesus is saying, it's time to wake up, church. It's time to live wide awake. And so here he is. He's, he's, he goes back a second time. Jesus already prayed, but he's now deja vu. He's praying the exact same prayer. Father, if there's any way for this cup of suffering to pass. Wait, didn't he just pray that literally 10 minutes ago? I love that Jesus is showing us a pattern of prayer. Sometimes you have to surrender more than once in the same hour. Sometimes you got to forgive somebody more than once in a prayer. How many of y'all have forgiven someone and then 10 minutes later the memory pops back up and you're like, and I forgive them again. And then five minutes later you're like, and again. I've had to forgive someone like 40 times in one hour. I'm like, I already forgave them, but Lord, I just thought of another memory and now I'm forgiving them again. So Jesus is praying. He's surrendering over and over. And yet his disciples are still sleeping. He says, can't you guys stay awake? Can't you watch even one hour? Watch and pray, he says. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. A second time he comes back, finds them sleeping. He says, please keep your eyes open. In verse 43, it says their eyes were heavy with exhaustion. They were overwhelmed with emotional exhaustion, spiritual exhaustion, just tired. I'm tired, just emotionally tired, spiritually tired, physically tired, financially tired, professionally tired, relationally tired, just tired in every category you can imagine. Have you ever been there before? Just tired. And a third time, Jesus goes to pray, says the same thing, comes back a third time and finds them sleeping again. And he says, it's time to get up. The betrayer is coming. The son of man is being betrayed. Get up, wake up. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us today, God, on waking up to your purpose, your power, your presence, what you're doing in this hour. Help us to live wide awake. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, everybody say, wake up. I need Carlos to stop playing because he's putting you guys to sleep right now. Give it up for Carlos, just an amazing piano player over there, the worship team. How many of you guys have ever fallen asleep in church before? Be honest. Y'all are like, Paul, your voice is so soothing. It just, I, I bring my blanket, my pillow to church because I just really enjoy your sermons. They just really put me to sleep. I, some, one of the best compliments I got, there was a young couple that came and they brought their baby. and They're like, our baby slept so good through your sermons. thank you but I get it like I fell asleep oftentimes during my dad's sermons and um, not because he was like a bad preacher he was a great preacher his voice was so soothing and uh, sometimes I fall asleep when my wife is talking to me late at night her voice is just so she's like you fell asleep on me how many of y'all have ever fallen asleep on your spouse talking to you at night and they're like wake up you know, and so I, like, I tell Ashley, I'm like, your voice is just so good. It just puts me right to sleep. I just got, you know, 
brother pillow over here, sister sheets, just came to church, just going to take a good nap, <laughs> bedside Baptist over here, and so I thought, I thought I would just curl up, hey, Delcy, how you guys doing over here? Oh, man, guys, life is tiring. Do you ever just get tired? Like, raising five kids is, is exhausting. I'm just like, let's take a nap. <sighs> So I don't judge the disciples. To be honest, I really don't. Because I'm like, I get it. I, I get tired. I fell asleep during my classes at ORU. And um, <laughs> I've fallen asleep leading a meeting before here at the church. About a month ago, I was leading a meeting. We just ate Chick-fil-A. I was feeling so good. I asked everyone to give their report. I was like, tell me what's going on in your areas. Pastor Amy's telling me about the kids' area. Drew's telling me about security. By the way, we have an awesome security team here that really watches out for us. There's a lot of safety measures you don't even realize. And, uh, and so he's giving the update, and then Tim Newton starts talking about the Dream Center. And Tim has just this really sweet, soft, beautiful voice. How many of y'all just appreciate Tim Newton, the executive director of the Dream Center? Tim's talking, and I'm just like... And Ashley nudged me. She's like, Paul, wake up. I was like, what happened? She's like, you're leading the meeting, and you fell asleep on Tim. I was like, my bad, Tim. It was really good. I really loved what you said. How many of y'all can relate? You're like, I have fallen asleep on some of these guys. Y'all fallen asleep on me before. And it's okay. I know some, some of you guys work late nights, so you come to church. The fact that you're here is a testimony. I just want to shout out anyone who works late nights, but you still come to church. And yet Jesus tells his disciples, it's not bad to sleep, it's just when you sleep. Because there is a time to sleep and there's a time to be awake. And this was a time to be awake. This wasn't a time to be sleeping. This was a vulnerable hour. This was a moment where he needed them wide awake. And yet they were sleeping. Not just once, not just twice, but three times he finds them sleeping. They just couldn't keep their eyes open. They were just like, Jesus, you're a good preacher. You're a good prayer warrior, but we're exhausted. We're just tired, man. We've been traveling with you. We've seen your miracles. We've walked through the pain of now one of our closest friends betraying you. That just hit us, and it was just exhausting even thinking about Judas this whole time. And it's just, it's just painful, man. Like, ministry is just hard, and they're sleeping. And I wonder why some people in the church have fallen asleep. I don't mean physically, but spiritually. I think some people have fallen asleep because of disappointment. Paul, oh, I'm just disappointed, man. I like, have you watched the news? Did you see the shooting? Did you see what happened in Nashville, Paul? I'm just, I'm overwhelmed. I'm just discouraged by what's going on in our nation and, and what's going on in, in, in schools. And, and, and I'm just disappointed in my own progress in life. Some people are asleep because of shame. They're going, I'm just ashamed. I've made mistakes. I've... I've messed up. I, I swore I wasn't going to mess up again, and I did it again. And I'm just, I'd much rather just pull the covers back over. I'd rather just keep my head under the sheets because getting up out of bed means I've got to confront the problems in my life. Getting up out of this bed means I've got to engage in situations that are overwhelming to deal with. So we fall asleep because of disappointment, discouragement, depression. I know when I lost my father, I just wanted to stay in bed. I just wanted to sleep. I didn't want to get out of bed. There was just a comfortableness. And I don't even mean the physical bed. I just mean spiritually. I was like, I'm tired. Don't ask me to do much in this season. I'm just tired with depression. Some people are falling asleep 
because they don't want to address the addictions in their life, the habits in their life that they've allowed. to. It's almost like the addictions are the blankie. I use the addiction to deal with the fact that I'm tired. And the addiction is my blanket. It's my self-medication. I just keep it where it keeps me in this place of complacency. It keeps me in this place of comfort. It keeps me in this place where I'm just embarrassed, Paul. I'm so embarrassed. I just, I, I just need to keep the blanket. I just need to stay in my bed. I'm embarrassed by where I'm at right now. I'm overwhelmed. Some people are in the, the bed of their past. I'm just, I'm, I'm consumed by what didn't work out in my past, what didn't go right. I'm overwhelmed by the worries about the future. I, I can't even handle the present. The present is way too intense right now. I just, and yet Jesus is saying, wake up, wake up. There's a purpose for right now. There is faith for right now. There's power for right now. There is a joy that comes in the morning. I know pain may last for the night, but joy is waiting for you outside of the bed of your shame, outside of the bed of your disappointment. Irenaeus, the theologian, hundreds of years ago, he was studying what is the glory of God. Is the glory of God the words of God? Is the glory of God when man gets a revelation of the word? Is the glory of God when the church is lifting their hands, singing songs? What is the glory of God? And he landed on this statement. He said, the glory of God is man fully alive. When men wake up to their full purpose, when women wake up to their full purpose, the glory of God is people fully alive to his presence. Because you can be living but not be alive. You can, like, you're on autopilot. Some of y'all are like, huh? You're there right now. Just nudge your neighbor and say, wake up, man. Wake up. Paul the Apostle in Ephesians 5 verse 14 said, wake up, O sleeper. Wake up, O sleeper. I remember one time I, I, I was in this dream. And in my dream, everyone was, was sleepwalking. And I was walking past them. They were like zombies. They were walking past me. And I'm walking past them. And I was like, what is going on? I'm, it was like in downtown Tulsa. I'm walking through the streets and people are sleepwalking next to me. And, and then I come across this bed. And it's me in the bed. And I'm looking at myself. And I like nudge myself and I wake up. And then I wake up from the dream. I'm like, what's real? Is this real or is it like inception? I was like, am I in my dream or am I in, what is the, this was Matrix. I was like, am I Neo? Is that, what is the real reality here? How many of y'all have ever had a dream that felt so real you weren't sure what was real, the dream? Or y'all are like, I'm there right now, Paul. Is this real? Yes, Neo, we need you right now. Wake up from the matrix. But so many of us are, we're sleepwalking. Paul says, wake up, O sleeper. Rise up from the dead, and the light of Christ will shine on you. He says it's time that we start living with intentionality. Be very careful how you live because time is running out. Live with wisdom. Live with a wide awake. Get your eyelids open because time is running out. He says make the most of every opportunity. Don't just go through your life living. Be fully alive to the will of God for this season. So how many times did the disciples fall asleep on Jesus? Three times. I want to give you three reasons to wake up right now. 
Three reasons to wake up. Number one, wake up to the significance of right now. Wake up to the significance of right now. The alarm clock is sounding off. Stop hitting snooze on this season. My question for you is, are you living wide awake to God's purpose for this season in your life? Or are you simply on autopilot? I remember seeing this movie in college where this, this father is like overwhelmed, changing diapers. Life's been hard at work. Life's been hard in his marriage. And so he gets this remote and he starts realizing he has the power to fast forward certain hours or days that are just uncomfortable, difficult, frustrating. And so he starts hitting the fast forward button. He fast forwards an hour, then he fast forwards a day, and he's like, oh, this is nice. I didn't have to change diapers. I didn't get into an argument with my spouse. I didn't have to deal with the coworkers that are frustrating me. So then he hits fast forward again. He fast forwards a week. Then he fast forwards a month. Then he fast forwards a year. Then he fast forwards 10 years, 15 years. He gets to the end of the movie, and he's like, what have I been doing? How, what just happened? He finally realized he's in the hospital bed, and his kids are surrounding him. They don't even know him. He doesn't even know them. And he says, what have I been doing this whole time? And they said, Dad, you've been on autopilot. You've been on cruise control. Like, you've been here physically. But you haven't been here. You're physically, you've been physically in the room, but you've been checked out on the television. You fast-forwarded 20 years of our life. You fast-forwarded not just through the diaper phase. You missed everything. Yeah, you were there, but you weren't there. And all of a sudden, he starts weeping, and he wakes up, and he realizes it's a dream. And he has this revelation, this fresh wind. He's like, I got to start living. I got to be fully alive. I got to start waking up to the significance that my kids, this season matters. Diapers matter. My wife, my job, this moment is significant. And I wonder how many people are fast-forwarding through seasons that feel mundane, that feel insignificant. That you go, I, I just don't know if this season matters. I just don't know. Like, yeah, the disciples, they, they should have been awake in that moment, but let's give them a break. They, they can sleep for a little bit. They've been going hard. And yet Jesus says, no, this is, this is a time to be fully awake. This is a time to be fully alive. In the early 1940s, America was snoozing. We were hitting snooze. Reports started coming to our nation about stuff going on in other parts of the world. And people started sending reports like, hey, there's this guy in Eastern Europe, and he's lining these groups of people up, and he's making them wash the sidewalks with their toothbrushes. And he's saying that they're, they're not even valuable humans. America goes, snooze, not our problem. Uh, now, now he's actually shutting down their stores. Every Jewish man that owns a store, he's shutting down their stores, and he's spray painting on their stores racist things. Snooze, not our problem, not our problem. Um, now he's lining them up, putting them in trains, sending them to concentration camps. Snooze, not our problem. Okay, now he's putting them in gas chambers, and he's killing millions of Jews. Snooze, 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 until some planes started flying over Pearl Harbor in Hawaii, our country, and started dropping bombs. And the Japanese said, I fear all we have done is awakened the sleeping giant. And finally, America stopped hitting snooze. And we lined up our troops and we stormed the beaches of Normandy. And when our troops rolled into Germany and France and Italy, we began to go through all the different bombs and 
bullets flying. And we invaded that area where they had been doing a holocaust against the Jews. And when the Americans rolled into those concentration camps, the Jews were finally set free and Hitler was defeated. Thank God America woke up. And if you've never studied World War II or seen Saving Private Ryan or some of these movies about it, I'm telling you, there's something powerful. Pearl Harbor, there's something powerful about watching this and realizing America was not in the fight until we finally woke up and realized we've got to be a part of this war right now. If not us, then who? If not now, then when? If not here, then where? And I wonder how many Christians are sleeping. I think the sleeping giant right now is the church. And I think the revival that's been stirring in 2023 in Asbury and Tulsa and different parts of the world is God saying, get up, get up, get the heck up, church. This is not a time to be sleeping. I'm sorry, I'm getting really passionate. But this is not a time to be sleeping. This is a time to be awake. This season matters right here, right now. Jesus says, wake up to the significance of right now. True story, there was a man living in South Africa, and he was sleeping on stuff. He was sleeping on the potential in his life. He had a shack, he had a donkey, 40 acres, but he just felt discouraged, overwhelmed, felt like he had nothing. He compared his lot to everybody else's. One day, a traveler came by, and he showed him these diamonds that he had found in Sierra Leone. He said, hey, we're finding diamonds in northern Africa all along the coast the Ivory Coast, up into Sudan, Egypt. There's diamonds everywhere up there. you got to leave here to go and get it. So the man kissed his wife and daughter goodbye. He said, I'm off to go find diamonds out there. I'm going to go find the significance out there, and I'll come back, and I'll make us wealthy beyond our wildest dreams. He went off for 18 months searching for diamonds, never found any. He searched the streams, the rivers, all the places that they told him to go look. He never found a diamond. He ended up in Spain, depressed, suicidal, he dove into a raging river, ended his life. A man came along and bought this man's old farm, the old shack, the old donkey. He started plowing through the ground. He stumbled across these black rocks in South Africa. When he held them up to the sun, it was like a rainbow was trapped inside of him. So he started putting them on the shelves in his shack. One day, a priest came traveling by and stopped by his shack to see if he needed prayer. And he said, come on in. And, and as he was having a drink of tea, he said, what's that over there on the shelves? He said, oh, those black rocks, I've been finding them out in my yard. The priest walks over, he looks at the rock, takes it over to the sink, washes it a little bit, wipes it with a towel, holds it up to the window. He said, sir, do you know what you have here? He said, yeah, it's just a, just a nice rock. He said, sir, this is a diamond in the rough. It needs to be cut. It needs to go through the heat, the pressure, the process. But this is a diamond. He said, how many of these did you say you have? He said, there's acres and acres of them out there. They went out on all fours and began to find acres of diamonds. A man named Russell Conwell wrote this story, Acres of Diamonds. It became the largest diamond find in the history of diamonds. It was the De Beers Diamond Mines. When I bought my wife's wedding ring 14 years ago, I bought it from Israel Diamond Store. It was from the De Beers Diamond Mines. The largest diamond find in the history of the world was sitting beneath the feet of a man who left it to go search for significance out there. So many men are looking at other people's yards going, oh, their grass is greener. 
So many women looking at other people's marriages. Oh, their grass is green. I wish we had, I wish I was in a better season. I wish I was married. Wish we had kids. Wish we could do what they would do. Wish we had the money they had. And God's going, wake up. There are diamonds right beneath your feet. Before you leave this marriage, before you leave this house, before you leave this job, before you leave these kids, there are diamonds in your own church. There's diamonds in your own city. There's diamonds in your own backyard. Number two, wake up to what God's doing in you right now. This season may not seem like much to you, but God says what I'm doing in you is more important than what's happening to you. What I'm doing, the character he's building in you is more important than the salary they're paying to you. God prepares us in private before he promotes us in public. Private preparation precedes public promotion. So this last Tuesday, I was talking to our men's discipleship class which shout out to the men and women's victory discipleship class. Every Tuesday night, hundreds of men and women come for 11 weeks to graduate from our discipleship course. You should sign up for it next semester. It's free. We, we provide that for you, Tuesday nights with childcare. And so I'm talking to the men, and I tell them this story. I said, when I was at ORU, Oral Roberts University, there was a season there. I was working as a janitor for three years, and I was so frustrated with that season because I felt like nothing was happening. I would have dreams of preaching to thousands of people. I would have visions of, of singing, leading worship to thousands of people. And yet there was no opportunity to do that during that time there. Three, four, five years, I, I wasn't getting any chance to do that. In fact, I was leading worship for our children's church, 9 a.m. service. I was a janitor during the week at ORU. I was cleaning up nachos for people. And the only people I were leading to Christ was my chips and queso. I was just preaching to the chips and queso in the baseball stadium. I was leading worship to the nachos and to the children that would throw Starburst in my guitar hole and, uh, at Children's Church. And I remember just feeling like this season is insignificant. This season is not important. This season is not critical. This season is not a big deal. And yet God would wake me up in that season multiple times. And I could hear the Lord saying, Paul, this season matters. I am training you before I promote you. I am preparing you privately before I promote you publicly. You can't drive an 18-wheeler until you learn how to drive a little Honda Accord. Should have bought a Honda, but I bought a Mitsubishi. There's a process to getting the license to a bus. You can't drive a bus. You can't get a CDL. And so you learn how to drive a car. God was saying, I'm teaching you when no one's watching. I'm working in you. I'm shaping you. I'm teaching you how to be trusted with little. Be awake, Paul. Before there's a crown, there's a cross. Before there's a resurrection, there's a crucifixion. Before there's a ministry, there's oftentimes a testimony being birthed behind the scenes. What he's doing in you is more important than what's happening to you. Don't get bitter because you haven't taken off yet. Don't get bitter because other people are further in life than you. Don't get bitter because your progress seems small. Jesus says, if you're faithful here, if you're faithful with a little bit, I'll make you ruler over much. If you're wide awake to this season right now where you're getting paid low wages, you feel overlooked, you feel ignored, you feel rejected, you feel, you feel disappointed, you feel disillusioned by this season of life, he says, wake up. I'm doing something in you that's so significant, that's so important. See, Jesus, he delights in our humiliation. 
It's not that Jesus wants to see us embarrassed, discouraged, overwhelmed. It's that Jesus says in those low moments, that humiliating season is preparation for your elevation. God says, I'm going to use those seasons that seem low, that seem painful, the rejection, the opportunities you missed, the the things that you didn't get to do. He says, I'm going to work in you to trust in me, to find your identity, your value, not in a position, not in what people say, not in the applause of man, but in the applause of heaven. Keep cleaning those nachos, Paul. Keep serving in the children's church. Keep working behind the scenes. Keep embracing this character development process because I'm telling you what I'm doing in you. Wake up to what he's doing in you. I want the band to come out. Number three, the third reason I think Jesus was trying to wake up the disciples is to wake us up to who and what God has brought to you so that he can work through you right now. Wake up to the who and the what that God has brought to you right now so that he can work through you right now. So my question is, who is your who and what is your what? Y'all are like, what is this Dr. Seuss nonsense going on here? Turn to the person next to you and say, who is your who? And what is your what? That's a good question to talk about at lunch. Who is my who and what is my what? I'll tell you one thing. For any parents in the room, your who is your kids first. For any married people in the room, your who is your spouse first. And sometimes we go, well, you know, uh, Paul, I'm trusting the children's church is going to raise my kids right. Y'all, we only get one hour with your kids. And they're doing a great job. In fact, they say normal church attendance is for most people is once or twice a month. And so we may only get two hours a month with your kids. You know who gets them 30 hours a week is the teachers, the coaches, the schools, you, the people that are involved in their life throughout the week. What shows are they watching? What's on YouTube when you're not watching? What, what, what are we doing to raise our kids in this hour? It's, it's intentional. I got to be awake right now. I can't, I can't fast forward this moment. It's, t- it's tough. I want to sleep. Five kids is hard. The ages is hard. But I've got to be awake because the shaping is happening right now in my nine-year-old. Your marriage matters right now. Just because you got married doesn't mean you stopped dating your spouse. Church matters, man. Yeah, but Paul, you know, I'm just I'm tired. I just want to watch Final Four basketball. Just want to go to volleyball tournaments with my kids. Just, just want to sleep. Just don't even want to go to work anymore. Just, I'm ready to retire. I'm 26 years old. I'm ready to retire. <laughs> don't want to work another day in my life. <laughs> and God's saying, there's a who I've placed in your life that needs you right now. There's a what that I've placed in your life. Who is your who and what is your what? A clue to your what is what, what makes you angry, what stirs you up, what, what frustrates you. I know, you know, for Ashley and I, we took some time this last week to pray for the families in Nashville that lost loved ones to the shooting that happened there. And then just realizing that our nation has so much confusion to it. And there's so many people that are struggling to find out who they are and they're self-identifying their gender and their sexuality. Can I tell you, wake up to the fact that God created you and he's the only one who knows who you are and he doesn't make accidents. We don't define who we are. God defines who we are. He says you are his daughter, his son. You are valuable. You have a purpose. Some people will live 50 years confused about their life. 
And then when they're 60, they'll look back and go, I wish I would have woke up to the fact that this word is true. There's people all over the world that are literally living in confusion. It, 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 that's, that's one of my motivating factors to preach the truth, to be a Bible-believing church, to get up here every Sunday because I want, I want our world to get better. I want our community. I want people to find Jesus. I want them to find truth, to find hope. There's people God's placed in your workplace that he has you, like literally he's divinely placed you in their life to be a witness. You're the only Jesus they're going to meet this week. They'll never hear from me. They'll never get an invitation from me. They'll never drive past a, a sign and go, oh, I'm going to go to Victory now. I saw an Easter invite. No, the only way they're coming to Christ is through your witness. Wake up. They're right next to you in your cubicle. I know you're tired. I know you don't really want to be at work. I know sometimes you get frustrated with your boss. And listen, but God says, I've got someone in your path, in your neighborhood. I've got a neighbor that I need you to witness to. I need you to be wide awake. I'm going to drop little hints where they're going to invite you over for things. And, and if you ignore it every time, if you hit snooze, I uh, can't go, got kids, can't go, tired, can't go. I'm just, <laughs> don't want to go anywhere. People just don't want to go anywhere now. They just want, I just want to stay home. Just Amazon delivery. Just give it all to me. Just let me stay home, sleep in, bring the covers down, hide and bunker down. Paul, the world's really messed up. We're just going to dig 30 feet below our house. We're going to live underground for 30 years. We're going to buy rice from that preacher on TV, and we're just going to, we're going to live underground and just eat ramen noodles. We don't even want to leave our house. There's a reason to get up. It's bigger than you. There's a reason to get engaged in this hour. Jesus says, wake up, wake up, wake up. John 4, verse 35, Jesus was ministering to this woman at a well. We've got this well on, on the stage today. He comes to this woman. She's been married for five different times, five different marriages that didn't work out. Maybe the husband was abusive. Maybe he cheated on her. I don't know. Five, five different husbands that didn't work out. Now she's living with the man that's not her husband. And Jesus says, give me something to drink. She says, why would I give you something to drink? You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. You shouldn't even be talking to me. He says, if you knew who I was, you would be asking me for something to drink. She starts talking to him about religion. Finally, he says, ma'am. I am the Messiah. I'm the one you're looking for. All of a sudden, her eyes are open. She was living, but now she was wide awake. She was living, but now she was wide awake. She leaves her jar at the well. She goes back to her village. She says, friends, family, meet the man who told me everything about my past. He's like a prophet. He's a Messiah. He was preaching to me. It's like he's been reading my mail. It's like he's been in my house. He just knows what I'm going through. You've got to meet him. The whole village starts coming. Jesus turns to his disciples in verse 35. He says, you have the same. Four months and then the harvest. But I'm telling you, wake up. Open your eyes. The harvest is ripe. The harvest is here. People are ready for the gospel. People are ready for hope. People are dying, and they need the truth. They need the truth that can set them free. Then in John chapter 11, he says, hey, there's this guy. He's sleeping right now, but we're going to go wake him up. They go, what? Who? He says, it's our friend Lazarus. They said, let him sleep. He needs to sleep. He goes, no, listen, he's dead. But I'm telling you, he's sleeping because it's figuratively. We're going to go wake him up. So Jesus goes to his tomb. Mary and Martha, they said, Jesus, you're late. You should have been here days ago. Your friend was dying and you didn't come. He said, just because I'm late on your time doesn't mean I'm late on God's time. 
I'm right on time. Come on, Jesus may not show up when you want him to, but he's gonna show up right on time. Some people are sleeping because you've been waiting on a promise. You've been waiting on a, a dream in your heart, a prophetic word that one day you'll be in ministry, one day you'll have kids, one day your marriage will turn around, one day that friendship will get healed. One day you're gonna see the, the change, the breakthrough you've been praying for and you go, Paul, I'm tired of praying. I've just been circling Jericho for like seven years and I'm just gonna sleep now. The walls haven't fallen down. Lazarus is still in the tomb. Things are still dead. Jesus says, show me the place where you laid the body. Tonio, can I borrow you for a moment? And Jeff, will you wrap Tonio in this blanket? Just make him look like a mummy. Jesus said, show me where you labeled. Is there another alarm on this phone? Sorry. Okay, turned it off. He said, show me where you labeled your brother as dead. Show me where you labeled your husband as dead. Show me where you buried your dreams, where you buried the ministry that I put on the inside you. Show me where you buried the songwriting. Show me where you buried the sermons I placed in you. Show me where you buried that thing that you just stopped praying for. Show me. Martha says, you don't want to go there. Mary says, Jesus, don't, don't. It stinks. It's bad. He's been dead for four days. It's been too long. It's, you're too late. It can't change anymore. It's, it's done. We've already, we've already decided we're going to live with the dead man. He's done. Jesus says, roll away this stone. Roll away this stone. Did I not tell you you would see the glory of God? Jesus said, Father, I thank you that you hear me, but for the people here today, I pray that they would see that you are the real God, that your power is stronger than sin, shame, death, hell, the grave, broken dreams, dead ideas, dead marriages, that today is a day for miracles. And then he points to that dead man. He says, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus starts walking like the mummy. He says, take off those grave clothes, my friend. From that day on, Lazarus never, come on, stand to your feet all over this place. He never went back. Some of y'all, it's time to lay down the blanket that you've been holding on to. It's time to come out of the slumber that you've been sleeping in. It's time to stop hitting snooze on what God's asking you to do, who he's asking you to reach out to. All over this room, I know what it's like to get tired. I know what it's like to fall asleep. But I don't know who I'm preaching to. I just felt like the Lord wanted this message for this weekend. That it's time to wake up. Some of you haven't been praying like you need to pray. And you go, Paul, I'm just tired. I just need strength. Some of you haven't been in the Word of God like you need to be. You haven't been in the Bible. And you go, I'm just tired. I, I'm just spiritually tired, Paul. This is life to us. This is strength to us. How do I wake up from slumber? How do I know if I'm sleeping spiritually? When's the last time you went down to an altar call? When's the last time you truly got a revelation from the Word of God? When's the last time you just couldn't stop underlining the Scripture and you were just so excited? You were like, man, I'm so glad I'm saved. I'm so glad I'm saved. The joy of your salvation. Restore the joy of His salvation this morning. When's the last time you, God used you to pray for somebody that was either sick, physically sick, or just, they were just hurting, just discouraged, and, and you were at the gas station, and you were filling up gas in your car, God's like, go pray for that guy, and you're like, snooze, 
God's like, go in there and witness to those people. Snooze. You're at your workplace. God's like, go and ask that person to come to church with you this week. Snooze. You're sitting at a restaurant today. You go out to eat. You're eating at Applebee's. Or you're eating, <laughs> you're eating at Chili's. You're eating at Chewy's. You're eating at Red Rock Candy. You're eating at a restaurant. And God says, I want you to witness to that person. You go, snooze, snooze, snooze. You snooze, you lose. All right? And all of a sudden, now after this sermon, you're equipped. You're empowered. You're like, okay, okay, I'm waking up. You know what I'm going to get excited about? I'm going to get excited about someone coming up to me next week going, I'm going to get excited about the altars being packed next week at Easter. I'm believing God for prodigal sons and daughters, husbands, wives, mothers, fathers, kids getting saved. I'm praying. I'm praying this week. I prayed for all the chairs. Every chair represents someone's life, someone's destiny, someone's purpose. But I'm also excited about some of y'all who are very saved. You're doing good. But I'm getting excited about you're going to come up to me and you're going to go, I was awake. I was wide awake. I was at Walmart. There was a guy walking out the, the store, and the Holy Spirit said, go witness to him. And pastor, I walked over to him, and I didn't hit snooze. I asked him if he knows the Lord. I asked him if I could pray for him. I asked him if he goes to church anywhere, and he came to Easter, and he got saved today. And the Lord used me to be a part of his testimony. What does it look like to live wide awake? It just looks like doing your part doing your part. I'm not in charge of, of the results. I'm just in charge of my obedience. And that's what, that's what living wide awake means. It just means I'm not going to try to force someone to accept Christ, but I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to lean in when the Holy Spirit says pray right now. I'm going to lean in when the Holy Spirit says give right now, given the offering. I, I'm going to lean in when the Holy Spirit says start that connect group, sign up for that marriage healing class, go to that counselor. Do what you need to do. I'm going to lean in with obedience. How do I know if I'm living wide awake? I am tender to the Holy Spirit. I'm sensitive to the, uh, uh, I'm still getting my sleep at nighttime. But when it's daytime, I'm awake. I'm praying. I'm leaning in. Lord, I pray this morning that you would just continue to wake your church up. God, with an engagement in prayer. God, in mentorship in ministry, God, in the youth, in the children's church, God, in every area, Lord, that we would be vigilant, that we would be leaned in, that we would be tuned in. I pray, God, for anyone who's just felt discouraged, anyone who's just felt exhausted. God, any disciples in the room that have just said, Paul, I'm just tired. I feel I can relate to Peter. I'm just tired. I love Jesus, but I'm tired. I love the ministry, but I'm tired. And I just need some fresh wind and some fresh fire. I just need the Holy Spirit to wake me up, to give me the strength to keep moving forward, to keep praying, to keep standing, to keep sowing, to keep helping, to keep mentoring, to keep forgiving. I just need help right now to stay awake spiritually. I want to pray for you this morning all over this room with heads bowed, eyes closed. If you're here today and you just need the strength to get awaken to God's purpose, his presence, his power, his plan. I want you to raise your hand. God's talking to you today. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, yes. From the front to the back, you're saying, man, I, I, I want to live wide awake. I need to be more awake to the presence of God, to the purpose, to the plan, to the people he's placed in my life, to the what that he's called me to do, to the current season that I'm in right now, that he's working in me, that he wants to work through me. Still hands going up all over this room. You're here today and you say, man, I'm not right with God. I need to get right with God. I need to I need to wake up to his righteousness, to his forgiveness, to living for his purpose. If you raised your hand or you wanted to raise your hand or you just need prayer, would you leave your seat? Come and join me at this altar right now. We're going to cheer on. 
brave men, brave women, husbands, wives, dads, mothers, sons, daughters, if you need to get down to this altar today, I'm telling you, this is the alarm clock sounding right now. Beep, 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 beep. Don't hit snooze. Don't hit snooze. Respond to the alarm. Respond to the wake-up call. Respond to that invitation to say, God, I'm going to wake up to your mercy. I'm going to wake up to your joy. I'm going to wake up to your purpose. Go ahead, Lamar. Let's, let's worship God all over this place. So come alive in the name of Jesus. Come alive, come Lazarus. Alive come in alive, the name Lazarus. of Jesus. This is the house of
He can redeem things. say, Jesus, thank you for waking me up to your purpose, your presence, your love, your power. You are more than able to work in me, to work through me for your glory. You're writing my testimony. You're not done with my story. My best days are right here, right now. And I'm waking up. Satan, you're defeated. No more autopilot. I'm wide awake. And I'm engaging in the purpose of God for this day. Holy Spirit, keep me sensitive. Give me strength to be wide awake to who and what you've placed right in front of me. I repent of my sins. And I receive your forgiveness. I receive your salvation. Thank you, Jesus, that I am wide awake to the victory that you've given to me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, give God praise.